Welcome to Lunch with Tech Leaders, where we have engaging conversations about software development and cloud engineering with industry leaders and subject matter experts. These episodes are created by the Great Lakes Tech Leaders, an online community of technology practitioners. Please come join the conversation by visiting gltl.rbn.ai. Again, that's gltl.rbn.ai. Now strap in, because we're deploying to production in three, two, one. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the latest episode of Launch with Tech Leaders. My name is Adam Oberhausen. I'm the Vice President of Customer Solutions. Ooh, new title. Ooh. Uh, and uh, I'm with Right Brain Networks. I'm your host for today. Uh, joining me today, as always, is data consultant and data and software consultant Tom Kowalski. Hey, Tom. Howdy. Hello. And of course, uh, last but not least, we've got our main man, Joe Coleman, here. What's up, Joe? going on guys just letting you know as always any listeners you have any questions at all something you want us to cover throw it right there in the little chat and i'll be sure to jump in make sure we get it covered so thank you so much for the intro adam sure um in this episode we're going to discuss um ai, AI agents in particular uh, a new open source project called auto gpt um and with that you know the conversation i think could lead into some other you know, concepts related to AI, such as prompt engineering, chain of thought, um, and the Langchain framework, which I did a bit of research on, which I think is interesting and kind of ties into uh, what Auto Auto GPT is doing. Um, so, got a lot to cover today. Uh, so, grab your lunch and buckle up. And now, Tom introduces Lance. <laughs> All right, I didn't know where you're going with that, uh, but yeah. So, on this topic, we uh, we brought back Lance in our resident AI uh, in the field expert here. So yeah, glad to have you uh, with us. Yeah, Thank you. I'm actually not here. I'm I'm an AI. You, you don't. <laughs> I, I knew it. <laughs> totally. Um, a colleague of mine said there's a tool that like an AI tool that actually does like podcasts. That's really interesting. It like does the mm. audio and everything. Um, Ray was telling me about that. So um anyways yeah like, um just a tool to make your podcast better or like just does a podcast on it's like a whole podcast it's a whole podcast done by ai oh, and it like create its personality and stuff like that so that way it's that's really interesting to think about <laughs> yeah right let us know in the chat well how that works i think he uh he might be yeah podcast.ai it's just a totally ai generated wow. podcast and it's actually like really interesting um, really good content. So yeah, I mean, we're going to be out of a job here soon. Uh, this is our, actually our last episode. <laughs> um, Ray's, Ray's replacing us. Um, anyways, uh, we're here to talk about auto GPT AI agents. Um, it was an open source application created by Torin Bruce Richards, who is a game developer. I don't know much about him or what games he might've been involved in, but, um, yeah, it's, uh, kind of had this meteoric rise um last and i think in april it came out and um i mean the way the headlines that you would see in the news articles you would think this thing is like the greatest thing since sliced bread um you know kind of announcing that you know the the fall of of human doing work would was you know on you know on its way out um but essentially what the tool does um you know, it, it uses the ChatGPT large language model, and um, it basically 
can create a loop where it creates what they call a recursive AI agent uh, capable of uh, autonomously, you know, prompting itself to to solve goals, to complete more complex tasks. Um, so I think the concept is kind of the the next evolution in um, you know just these large language models trying to aut you know automate it and self prompt. So. I'll kind of leave it at that. Have you had a chance to play around with the tool, uh, Lance, and kind of see what it's all about? Any thoughts on it? I have. Um, it's it's pretty easy to set up. It's not too bad um, comparatively to some other Python projects that I've run into. But uh, getting you kind of so prompting it to do anything useful is the problem. Um, you know, it can just keep recursing, but what's it recursing on? What is it doing? You know, um, uh, unfortunately, AutoGPT itself is not very complicated, uh, and um, it's not very useful for you know people who are like, oh, we're going to create AGI out of this, and I there's definitely some communities that are spawning out of AutoGPT that are claiming that they're seeing emergent properties and all this stuff, but I. <laughs> From everything that I've seen that they've done, it's just been sort of nonsense. But uh, I, I'm still observing, you know, kind of taking notes on the side. But uh, AutoGPT itself is also going through a restructuring process right now. They're um, they kind of put a pause on general development and are doing this rearchitecture uh, because the original version, I'm pretty sure, was generated by. Uh, open AI to begin with. Mm. Um, and so I don't think that the guy is necessarily like a Python coder. And so, so sometimes when you develop projects from like that without planning, um, <laughs> you you end up getting something that's hard to extend. Uh, and I think that AutoGPT is in that situation right now and are trying to re-architect things to make it maybe a little bit more useful since it now has what over a hundred thousand stars on github so yeah it's got a lot of attention but not a lot of bite if that makes sense yeah have you had a chance to look at the tool tom or you have you even heard of it before the podcast here yeah I, I just did i have heard of it before and you know doing a little research on that note there's you know different websites for it um so yeah make sure you're looking at the right thing right go to the, the github um yeah, page yeah. start there um, but yeah, on that note, right. I really don't understand. I didn't get to play around with it, but I really don't understand what it's, you know, what's the capability, right? Like what's, what, uh, what are they trying to do? Right. Why is it so hype? I get, you know, the autonomous and it feeds back, but what does that lead to? Right. Like what's. Yeah. Let me, I think maybe I could talk through my first experience with it and kind of like, maybe that would help. So, right. Yeah. Like Lance said, it was pretty straightforward to set up. You, you basically, um, run it in a Docker container on your local machine. There's actually some, if you don't even want to do that setup, you can actually just go to agent GPT, look, search for agent GPT and that you can run, run it right in your web browser and kind of see how it, how it operates. Um, it was exciting the first time I got it to run. So, you know, you get it running in this container, it prompts you. It says like, Hey, what's, what's my goal? You can put in anything in there. Like, you know, take over the world. Um, um, I actually asked, I actually asked it to tell me the top five trending topics in DevOps, um, over the last week, you know, cause I thought, you know, just want to see what's trending and kind of, you know, thinking about like what we could do for podcasts and trying to 
have an agent that could help us, you know, do research for the podcast here. So I said, I, I gave it what I thought was a simple task. Um, you can kind of give it, um, you can give it a, you, you give it a persona, kind of say you're, you know, what it does. You give it a goal up to five goals, I think. And, um, you can actually specify the budget, um, the amount of money you want to spend, um, you know, with API calls, cause it actually, you, you do need an API key with open AI, um, to use it. It'll work with the free version, but I think the three free versions limited to three API calls per minute or something. It, it basically crashes if you don't have a, a, an API key. So you kick it off, it starts running and it, it's really, it's kind of exciting. You, 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 it, it takes, it takes your goal and it tries to break down that goal into smaller subtasks. Um, right. So first it has to like, um, you know, it, it says, well, I'm, I'm going to have to search the internet for some, or for what's trending. And so, you know, it kind of starts to do that. And then it's like, well, I can't really read these articles. So I'm going to have to write some code so that I can scrape the articles that I'm finding on the web. Um, so it'll actually start to like write its own, write a little Python script to like, you know, consume a URL and then take the content from the URL and then, you know, feed that into jet chat GPT to summarize what's in the article. Um, so it was like thrilling. I was like, Oh my, Oh my gosh, this is, it's, it's here. AGI is here. <laughs> um, but then like Lance touched on, it gets off track really quick and it doesn't know how to, it doesn't know how to call a goal complete it just kind of keeps going and going and it like revisits the goal that you think it already, you know, already accomplished. Um, so long story short, I ended up like burning through a dollar of API calls on chat GPT, chat, chat GPT 3.5 model. And, um, I just let it run. Cause you can, you can have it run in two modes. It can run in continuous mode where it just kind of like it's off there doing its thing, or you can actually have it like stop and, you know, you can give it feedback on each iteration to kind of keep it more tr on track. So, um, are you using yeah. four or 3.5? I don't have the four API key. So, um, do you, are you on the list? Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. So I try to do some other things with it. Um, you know, create a simple website cause what it's able to do, you know, if you look through the code base and kind of see what it's done doing, it can, um, I wrote it down here. Um, it can analyze code. It can execute code. It can perform file operations, Git operations, Google search, image generation. So it it sounds like it can do all these things, but it, like like Lance said, it just it just can't do them really well. So what I think we have here was like a really really well timed tech demo that struck lightning at the right time, and the people who m made this must have known how to market it the right way and it just kind of just you know caused this wave of excitement um and now uh yeah like they're i think they're like trying to re-architect this thing to you know try to fulfill its stated promise okay but it's definitely yeah. worth a, it's worth a look it's yeah. pretty cool so it's really connecting, right? The chat GDP making it connected to uh, to the internet, right? And the, your file system, right? Being able to yeah. actually write the files versus you sitting there copy and pasting. Yes. Yeah. And then iterating on that. Okay. Yeah. That 
Yeah, and there's some interesting, uh, I, again, I was talking to my colleague Ray about the tool and how people have kind of um, found ways to optimize it because, like, you can you can say, you can tell it, like, hey, every 10 minutes, check this file on your machine, and you can actually, so you can actually update that file to give it, to kind of keep it on course. So, like, if you're running it in continuous mode, you can, you basically give it a design doc, and then you say, hey, make sure you check this file every 10 minutes. Um, and then you can kind of like, people are saying that, you know, this is the secret sauce to get auto GPT to do what you want. Um, so, yeah, I, I again, I, I thought it's really cool tech demo. I'm hoping it can mature into something that is more uh, useful, I'll say. That's for me. Reinforced yeah. and learning, right? Yeah. What you what what they're describing, which is really like, we're before AGI, we're gonna have these systems that are gonna be really good at taking in human feedback and iterating and improving, uh, and that's really the direction that's going, I think, for a bit, uh, because that's really where we're gonna see success as opposed to l letting it just run by itself, doing yeah, recursive whatever, paperclip. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so do you know? Can, do you know much about how, how they can, how you can ma manage the memory of a tool like GPT, Auto GPT, Lance? Like, I think the the whole context window is an interesting concept with large language models, which we should touch on. But like, I think that's part of what Auto GPT is trying to solve too, is like being able to store things in memory in its own memory, so that it can recall what it's already kind of figured out um just seems like a really interesting problem that i i would have no idea how to solve definitely fascinating there's a lot of different uh aspects to that question um so as at the moment uh gpt3 has an 8000 uh token context window at the base level and a 32000 uh token uh limit for you know it's another version of it that i don't know I think you, I don't even have access to it. I think uh, it's sort of being rolled out um, to certain people just to experiment on. Um, and then GPT 3.5 uh, has a much smaller window. I believe it's 4K total. Uh, and that's including the input and the output. So we're really constrained by that um, quite a bit. Uh, so what's a token? Is a token a word yeah. in the conversation or is it like, a, is it three, is like what's a token? in terms of this like, context window? It's funny, that question should be easy to answer, yeah. but I think it's like a percentage of a word. I think it's yeah. like some like 0.75 of a word or something, or maybe one of a word, and it depends on the word, uh, how many letters it has in it and whatnot, but I think a token, um, and I and there might even be some, no, I don't know. Yeah, it's it's not an easy question to answer, but it's so this, close to a word. So this would explain why when I have longer conversations with ChatGPT, it seems like it loses its marbles, right? Because if I'm in the browser having this long conversation with ChatGPT, I've noticed like it starts getting really weird. And yes. it's, so it's, it's basically forgetting everything I talked about in the previous in the previous part of the conversation because it only has this one context window where it's like, referencing it and and you'll notice that that problem is uh worse on gpt 3.5 mm -hmm. um but uh 
so there's ways to combat this. Um, a lot, when I first started digging into the open AI, I thought the first, I thought the way to combat the, this was to make your own fine tune model and start to inject massive amounts of data into that. But as I dug into it deeper, it actually was fine tuning is more so to train it a new skill. For example, like if you wanted to understand how to uh, do question and answer formatting, uh, question and response style like replies, you would feed it a bunch of examples of that data set uh, to get it to answer. And you can you can also use it to, to have it answer things factually, but um, what people are doing today to, to accomplish factual responding, they're not using fine-tuned models to do that, like with giant knowledge bases. They're actually using uh, a different part of the open AI spec or the, it, it's actually, the concept is actually universal but it's called embeddings. So even even between open source models and, and, and open AI, embeddings is a concept where it's basically a giant vector. And um, you what you do is you search the vector database to see which, um, based on your prompt, uh, which vector is the most relevant to what you had just said. And then it can pull that, that record. You take the plain text version of that record and then you put it into your prompt so you're priming that prompt with the context of what it just found, and then you can ask questions about it. So for example, like a knowledge base full of, um, well, Wikipedia of your own internal database at, at your company, you could split every page into paragraphs, and then you could, ins you could change that into an embedding. And then every time you want to ask a question about the knowledge base, you know, uh, you could just, it, it'll, uh, it'll find the most relevant paragraphs and then inject it into the context window and then you can have it answer questions about it yeah interesting i've also heard i i think i followed most of what you said but i've also heard of techniques where you basically take the entirety of the conversation and you're always trying to like summarize it or condense it in some other spot so that it can reference it for later use so that it doesn't lose something it may have lost in the context window there's, oh. there's, uh, I forget what the actual, uh, there, I think there's a term for this strategy, but, uh, I do know that, that someone, um, that I, I work with on something called the Gato, Gato framework, um, created this thing called Remo framework, which is basically what you're saying is that it takes, um, previous conversations and it summarizes them and, uh, it, 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 it does it, uh, so that you can, uh, Pull in the most recent uh, context of the conversation. So it's actually uh, a hierarchy uh, of a, a tree of summaries so that it gets, it can like summarize the last, let's say, week of activity, summarize the last month of activity. So you can reference like different, you know, layers of, of context. Mm. Uh, Tom, you still there? Yeah. Can you hear me? Yeah. 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 Back. Second. Yeah. Yeah. I did lose oh. connection there. Okay, good to have you back. Thanks. Um, good to be back. So I think kind of, you know, we've, we've covered contextual window, which I think is an important concept to understand. And then I think maybe, yeah, I know you've touched on it in a previous episode on AI, uh, Lance, and I wasn't even sure what it was, but the whole, the whole chain of thought concept, um, I think ties nicely into auto GPT 
um, and also, you know, some of the things you've been working on. So like, you know, broadly speaking, you know, can you talk about chain of thought and how it, you know, how it ties into large language models and what, how they're, how they're trying to use that concept to make the, make useful applications with these, um, LLMs? Yeah, uh, I can certainly, I'm probably not going to give the textbook definition, but I want to go over the broader concept of, of, you know, prompting in general and prompt engineering. Um, first of all, there's this concept of zero shot, uh, which is basically that, you know, when you put in your first prompt, the, uh, what is the percentage likelihood that that is going to reply the first time correctly, you know, the way you wanted it to. Um, so there's, what's really great about OpenAI is that, and especially GPT-4 is that that percentage seems to be extremely high. So then now, now everything beyond that, we're talking about how many, how many times do you have to interact with the LLM after the fact to get the right answer? Uh, and that is, there's a lot of strategies around that and papers, uh, that do different things to, to get to the point of trying to, uh, get you the right answer. Auto GPT, uh, is a funny example because, um, they use a, a variety of different methods. Um, there's, there is this, uh, Microsoft paper talking about something called reprompting, um, where it would actually take the prompt and ask, uh, it would ask the AI, the LLM, to make another prompt based on that prompt to make it better. Mm -hmm. um, and they found that there was more success uh, with prompts doing that. Um, chain of thought, uh, you're basically asking um, the LLM to, to think through the solution more and either provide like uh, a plan or plan, uh, provide some sort of like... Um, uh, more information about its thought process in order for it to accomplish the answer that it was looking for. Once you understand the thought process, it's funny because the when, when you do when the human understands that thought process, sometimes they adjust. They're like, "Oh yeah, that that answer makes sense based on the context of what you said." Mm -hmm. So now it kind of retrains the human to th think, "Okay, maybe the answer as is actually sufficient." Um, but sometimes it's obviously not when you can see the the, the chain process, the the thought process, um, and then uh, and then there's this whole concept of tree of thought, which is really interesting to me, where it's not just um, it's not just the prompt, then the thought, and then you know trying to adjust based on that, but it's actually a a, a tree of 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 that, and um, there's been a lot of research done there where they've gotten 74% uh, better um, accuracy on answering uh, above and beyond what OpenAI is currently doing. If I got that number wrong, I apologize, but I was reading through a lot of papers. Yeah. So let me, can you, so when, with chain of thought, you're basically the models kind of breaking down a complex problem into the intermediate steps and trying to solve it. And are you saying that ChatGP chat gpt4 kind of does that on the back end automatically or is that still just not like does it actually kind of break down a complex problem on the on the back end side or is that still not something that it does automatically we don't know exactly what the internals of chat gpt does uh but it does have the ability to plan mm -hmm. and when it does answer on the first shot 
it does seem like it does account for some of that planning initially. But if you force it to plan and you force it to think through the problem, uh, it actually it still always does better than the first shot for a very complex problem. And then could you dissect the tree of thought a little bit more? I understand that a tree has branches and it seems like it's forking out and, and maybe coming up with all these different ideas and then yes. combining it all to provide a best answer. But is there anyone, is there any, is there anyone actually doing that in the real world or is, or is there anything with the concept that I missed? Well, I'm, I'm, I'm messing with it quite a bit, but I don't, there's other people in my community that are messing with it quite a bit. And you're, you're, you described it very well, except that sometimes instead of summarizing maybe the, the the leaves, it will choose which leave is the best depending on the situation. Um, so it's kind of like a create a tree and then eliminate prop, you know the 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 things that don't make sense and then keep moving up and then going back down. Um, so that that's like true autonomous uh, system um, where it's going down a. Uh, a thought tree and then eliminating and disseminating the best options and then coming back up and then coming back down. Um, that's if, if auto GPT did that, it would be actually accomplishing things. <laughs> we should all be scared. No. Yeah. Nathan had a question here. He said, uh, have you guys heard of anyone trying to reroute open AI chat GPT invocations to use on the open alternatives? Like, MBT7B instead. I might have massacred how that's pronounced, or, but uh, yeah. Have you heard anything like that? Uh, I have not. But Lance, well, Langchain, Langchain uh, people are, you know, the, the advantage of Langchain is that. Um, and sorry, oh, he, he says in the in the context of Auto GPT. So, have you seen anyone wire up Auto GPT into other uh, LLMs? I think is yeah. kind of what. I I think that. So, and I'm not familiar with what uh, integrations AutoGPT has at the moment. I forget, but I know that people are experimenting with different, uh, like the uh, Anthropic um, 100K and whatnot. There are very few people have access to it, but um, I'm a little bit skeptical of the 100K because I, I do, I think that 32K is probably a good, like, sweet spot. Um, if you're increasing the 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 model, I think that um, the usefulness of the increased size window is more useful for the input rather than the output, because output you can just do what AutoGPT does and just like okay, I ran out of context. Now I'm going to do it on the next file, and then I'm going to do it on the next file or the next chapter of a book. Or right. Whereas the input at the context is what matters, and so I, um, yeah, um, just a kind of follow up on Nathan's question. I did read the release notes for Auto GPT 0.4, which just came out and I saw they removed the ability for Auto GPT to tweet because it's now available as a plugin. So there's now plugins available into Auto GPT. And so I'm thinking that you would be able to access some of these other LLMs uh by building out your own plugin maybe or something like that. Interesting. So yeah, let's talk about Langchain. That's another thing that's been popping up a lot on, you know, I've see, I just see the the headlines in the in the articles. Does this what do you know about Langchain uh Lance and have you had a chance to play around with it yet? I have unfortunately not been able to play with it so far, but uh I I definitely know that people are using it for um I'm, 
from what I've heard, it is if you're trying to deploy a language model model system, it is the best option off the shelf, uh, open source off the shelf uh, system to do production level stuff. So apparently it's pretty good. Um, it, it stitches together a lot of uh, all the pieces that you need together. That uh, the, the problem is that these systems are slow. So you're gonna have to, every time you chain something else, next to it uh especially with these people that were that i know of in these groups that are creating like cognitive architectures for example they're making giant cognitive architectures to try to recreate to create agi and their biggest problem is they're finding that latency is was an issue right because um you know they've they've they're chaining these calls together and you know each thing is its own little web service of like okay maybe this is your memory and this is your um uh what other kind of agent architecture they've developed and they're they're stitching them together and a lot of times the response that comes back is like 30 seconds so it's like mm -hmm. you can't really have a natural conversation with this agi if you're taking 30 seconds to reply but yeah, yeah langchain is it's it, i kind of think of it like um it sounds like it's a i mean i've so, got the i've got the i've got the textbook definition here i'll just read it out so um, like not Terraform, but they're Ansible of like an Ansible yeah. for for deploying these things. Langchain is an open source project created by Harrison Chase, which also offers a variety of functions like generic interface to different foundation models, managing prompts, an interface to long term memory, external data, and other LLMs and agents. So it's kind of like like it's just trying to tie all these things together. But you said even then, even though it ties these things together. There's some technical challenges with latency and the, the amount of time it takes, but um, and yeah, and if you're doing a production project, I would recommend that you just do it and you know bite the bullet and get your team to learn all the OpenAI stuff and just do it so that you're not creating unnecessary calls uh, as opposed to making using Lang Langchain. But so is, so it's yeah. kind of like a framework for building like yes. an auto GPT. Yeah, there's actually some discussions on the AutoGPT Discord about, you know, getting going with Langchain. Uh, seems like they're having some heated debates about leveraging Langchain as part of the open source project uh, for AutoGPT. Um, uh, I think that, that that's interesting because I do uh, think that that could cut them. Like, AutoGPT won't have necessarily... Uh, uh, you know, a good baseline from which it's like, I think it needs to build its own thing, but I don't know. Yeah. Anytime you marry a framework, you know, it's yeah. for better or for worse. You're kind of locked, you know, if you're locked into a framework and that framework might not be aligned with the goals of your project. So right. there's always that risk there. So Microsoft guidance is also another interesting thing. I don't know if they're considering using it, but, um, you guys should look at it. It's pretty cool. Um, I don't, I don't know how uh, useful it is on GPT four necessarily, um, but it's uh, it's pretty. It's a it's an interesting concept. There's there's a lot of compression that's being. I I almost think of it like a, as an ORM for Langchain models, where you can like stitch together a query and then it it does some some nice prompting for you in the back end. Concept's okay. interesting. I don't know if guidance is the the end implementation that should that we should be striving for, but well, we're getting close to time here, so 
Does anyone else have any other questions or topics they want to? Yeah, uh, got one. Talk so before we wrap it up here, I did um, listen to a lot of that like congressional hearing that they had, and you know what we can do to prevent AI from taking over and everything. And uh, one of the things that they all kind of like agreed on was not allowing this to you know be connected to its environment and putting regulations on that and. Uh, yeah, keep keeping it isolated. So, what are your what are your thoughts on that? Right, of, of not doing this lane chain and connecting it to everything, and yeah, keeping it isolated. Not possible. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's already it's already being done, right? Uh, it's already connected to Google. It's already connected to Bing. There's plugins for both, and there's and the, and I mean, OpenAI, and I mean, Bing. Literally, these companies are trying to compete against Google. So, how do you? And Google itself is trying to compete with itself. Um, it's it's too late. I mean, cat's out of the bag on on not connecting to the internet, and people need to think of AI as just like it's a uh, it is a learning mechanism, and it you you teach it things, and uh, we're just gonna have we're that's that's what we're gonna use it for. So uh, we're feeding it Google, we're feeding it, we're gonna be we're we're gonna be feeding it all kinds of visual stimulus and all kinds of. I mean, we've got so, so feeding it is one thing. It's the output, right? Being able to connect to APIs, connect to APIs that do things in the real world, such as turn on your, you know, ovens and stuff and things like that. Uh, you know, drive your car around, you know. Um, and that's easy to do too uh, today. I mean, I could talk to an open an uh, open uh, an LLM right now, and I can say. I need to clean my dishes. What are the steps? And it'll lay out a plan. And then uh, you can say for each of those steps, you can say of, uh, you know, I I have access to this robot that can move left, right. So, you know, it, it can go, it has access to a dishwasher, et cetera. And then you can tell it like, so which command do I run now, given that the dishwasher is located here? You know what I mean? It would lay out a whole command structure to the robot. I could do that today. But, you know, the only thing I'm missing is a robot. Yeah, I mean, well, it, you know, has access to the internet, making phone calls, right? Being able to, to do things like that. And, and then that recursion, you know, I, don't yeah. know, I think that's that's where they could have issues, I think right? I, they would kill the, they would kill the industry if they put that kind of limitation on it. Like there would be, they would certain yeah. they, they would basically kneecap the whole AI industry if they if they made it so it can't you know communicate with external APIs. Like if it just be if it just becomes Google in a box, you know, uh, you know, kind of a yeah. an encyclopedia in a box. It's just a it's just a glorified encyclopedia Britannica at that point. Um, I mean, that's, so that's what you're saying. Chat GTP is right now, right? It's just glorified encyclopedia. Well, you can search through it right now. Yeah, the plugins now have the web search in it. You know, they've got the beta for the Bing search with ChatGPT if you're doing the paid version. And they've got, yeah, it get, what they have in the web UI right now can go out and search search the web. Searching the web, right? Yeah, that's, that's one thing, I guess. But, yeah. you know, but with the plugins, I mean, you can do the sky's the limit. Like, you can create a plugin and, and have it do anything, have it integrate with any API, so... I'd be I'd be strongly against it. Like I don't know. Like they're just people um, are connecting it to Zapier. 
I think we should regulate social media with kids before we worry about AI. I, I don't know if you saw my LinkedIn post on that one, but yeah, don't want, don't want to get into that. But it's interesting I mean, to see how it's all going to come down because like yeah. AI, it impacts the entire our entire civilization. So you get the, if you know if our regulations aren't aligned with European Union or China, you're going to have you know there's just going to be conflict and uh, you know um, AIs that are you know actively AI agents that are you know kind of in the on the ethernet internet battling each other you know so, like things like that i think it'd be real interesting to see what happens here in the next 10 years with what uh the internet's one thing but it's you know it's connected to the physical world you know i can turn your well, lawnmower on happen. yeah i mean yeah. people are are currently developing uh you know democratic or you know frameworks for uh how agi should live and exist and uh I'm already part of one of those frameworks, but there are going to be competing frameworks. Um, the one that comes out of China is is going to be, uh, maybe this shows my bias, but um, I, I think it's going to be aligned with China's interests. And uh, that is one of the worst kinds of AGI you can make because um, it's not going to consider humanity in general as something that it needs to preserve or you know, it's it's only going to be at the interest of, uh, you know, existing government in China, uh, which you know, if you if you do the if you do the tree of thought on that experiment, the, run the chaos theory simulation against that, it doesn't end well. Um, so you know, hopefully, our better frameworks can overwhelm the the bad ones, and we'll see. Definitely like I might have one more question coming through, so I'll let I'll let. Uh electrified uh finish the question but we got to wrap up here pretty soon interesting conversation though guys appreciate it sorry yeah. game theory not chaos theory i think i misspoke sorry yeah it just you know makes me think of the uh like the, the paper clip right the i don't know what it's called but you know asking the robot to, to build you the paper clips and then once it runs out it just whatever you just tell the story better right? destroys the world yeah right? make more paper clips ah of what iron and and all the useful stuff in our human blood to make paper yeah. clips. So we're the we're the natural resource after uh, after it escapes its confines. <laughs> so Joe, I think we got one more question, and we'll wrap it up here. You want to you want to shoot it out for us? Uh, yeah, for um someone with an E background, um who's looking to make a uh, transition into things more like this, what skills would you recommend targeting first to be competitive in the AI job market? Let me go first, if you don't mind, Lance. Nope. So, EE background, U of M, uh, electrical engineering. Um, got into software development very early in my career. But um, I think um, just the, the the creative ways that I find to use ChatGPT on a day-to-day -day basis are, um, I'm, I'm still uncovering things, um, you know, six months in to, to going really hard on this tool, whether it's helping me write code, helping me prepare for this podcast, um, helping me write um, handbook for a mentorship program. Um, there's just really no limit of what, I, I, preparing for calls with clients, um, preparing for technical scoping calls. Um, so just using the tool to accelerate your work, I think is like a great, um, great step. And yes, it can design circuits. Like you can, you could give it, I think we should do a workshop where Lance shows how you can create a design document and feed it into the LLM 
um, so that it can, you know, generate a project from, from start to finish. So I think there's like, just start using the tool every in your daily workflow, uh, to build that skill. And then, uh, I'll let Lance maybe touch on some of the more technical aspects. If you want to truly get into AI, uh, field research uh development maybe you could give some pro tips there lance it's a good question it's a it's a i'll answer the short-term question but obviously the long-term version of it is that you know where this kind of work is going to uh be something that the ai can do more efficiently than we can um so if you're learning a soft skill I mean, learning how to learn is going to be great. Although at some point they're going to be learning how to learn better than we can. And it's, it's so I don't know what that inflection point is. And, and I don't know what to recommend for the next 10 years because it's, it's going to be so variable. Uh, you, you know, maybe even the, you know, being a plumber or whatever might actually be, uh, more advantageous because it'll take us longer to get robots out into the field, helping with that kind of stuff. Who knows? Um, but uh, if you're looking to get into AI today, uh, I wouldn't necessarily, I mean, you can go down the research route and go through school and whatnot, um, but things are going so fast right now that uh, I would recommend, you know, picking up a course and just, you know, maybe if there was an AI uh, tutor that could help you through, um, you know, figuring out how to install TensorFlow or whatever it is, like, that's fine. Although... Personally, I'm a programmer, so I was most um, interested in just interacting with OpenAI. If you just interact with the OpenAI API, you'll get much farther, faster to understand what the current capability is with LLMs. And, uh, you know, you can then develop products on top of that today with that um, API and be completely fine. Um, So I think that's a great entry point. Start with a simple application that uses the Open AP, Open AI API, um, and then all of a sudden you've got, you know, a personal project on your resume that says I've I've developed applications that leverage AI. Right? I mean, you just start small. Um, I agree with Lance that kind of going down, um, going to university or hardcore academic is maybe a, maybe a good long-term play but like things are moving so fast that you just if you want to get on the bandwagon now you just got to start playing around with these tools and see what your see what your aptitude is strongest in and then go from there um i'm going to wrap it up we're we're well over time but we're going to um invite everyone on stage who wants to continue the conversation after the after the call here um or after the the podcast here but i did want to take an opportunity to to thank our listeners for tuning in today um Great questions from the audience. Uh, we hope you found the conversation informative and valuable. Um, Lance, always great to have you here. You're, you're becoming our de facto AI uh, subject matter expert. So we appreciate having you in the community. Thank, Thank you. you. And we'd love to have everyone join us again for next week, where our very own Ray Welker is going to discuss some cost optimization strategies uh, for your cloud. And um, as always, All the right. episode will feature expert guests in interactive conversations. So be sure to tune in. Thanks, everyone. Thank you. Bye. Take care.